Welcome back to Practicing Catholic. Patrick Conley, glad to be with you again, along with Cami Berthum, our producer, Paul Sodic, our technical producer, coming to you through the relevant Radio 1330 AM studios in Golden Valley. Well, we're celebrating Easter. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. We're looking forward to continuing our celebration of the Easter season for the next 50 days, right up to Pentecost. Now, when we hear Pentecost, maybe we think of the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove or in the form of fire. But what exactly happens at Pentecost and how might we prepare our hearts for this important day in the church? Father Michael Van Sloan, our expert on many important aspects of the faith, joins us today for a refresher on this important day. Father Van Sloan, welcome back to the program. I'm very glad to be with you, Patrick, and I'm really looking forward to speaking about Pentecost. Wonderful. Well, we know you've written some great articles for the Catholic Spirit, breaking down important liturgical seasons, the sacraments, and how many important components of the Catholic faith. We'd like to start with the basics, though, on this one. So what exactly is Pentecost? Well, Pentecost is the conclusion of the Easter season. So it's, so it's a 50-day uh, season. It goes from Easter to Pentecost. And so we call it a festival of weeks. So if you have seven weeks, seven times seven is 49, plus one is Pentecost. So we get to 50 days. And it celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the biblical text that we use for that is Acts chapter 2. And so we've got all of the disciples gathered together in the upper room. And then the room shakes and there's a strong driving wind. And then fire descends upon the, the the apostles. Very good. Yep, that all sounds pretty familiar to me. Um, so you started mentioning this. How about symbolism? What are the symbols that are oftentimes symbols or colors that are oftentimes associated with this great feast in the church? Well, the symbols that are most commonly done with it. I mean, so you mentioned a little bit of that before. The the dove is always a spirit of the Holy Spirit, a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and we get that from Jesus's baptism when the Holy Spirit descends upon him. But then we also have tongues of fire. So uh, fire has always been a symbol for the Holy Spirit as well. And so when you think about like there was the fire that um, in the burning bush and there's the column of fire that leaves the chosen people through the through the desert. Those have been symbols for the presence of God all along. One of the most curious pieces about this is that the Holy Spirit is represented as a tongue. Why on earth would it come as a tongue and not as another body part or like a sword or something else, an animal? Well, if anything needs to be guided in our life, the way we talk really needs to be guided. I mean, we need to say good things. We need to be able to speak intelligently. We need to be able to have governed speech so we don't say bad things. And so to have for the Holy Spirit to guide our, the way we talk is like very, very important. A couple of other things that represent the Holy Spirit would be a lamp or the wind or seven spikes on a crown or whatever. But those are the most frequent ones. Very good. And, uh, you know, with all this that's wrapped up in the Holy Spirit, sometimes the Holy Spirit can be a bit mysterious to a number of practicing Catholics. And um, but specifically, when we're looking at the sacraments, of course, the Holy Spirit being active in all the sacraments, but most specifically, when you're talking about Holy Spirit and I think of sacrament, I think of the sacrament of confirmation. And uh, certainly during the Easter season, when I used to work at the Cathedral of St. Paul, we'd see a number of confirmations of young people during the Easter season. And it seems like it's most uh, prevalent or most appropriate, perhaps, at the time, or around the time at least, of Pentecost. So what significance is there, what tie is there between the Sacrament of Confirmation and the celebration of Pentecost? Uh, so your pickup on that is right on the money. So the church has always recommended that we do the sacraments of initiation to emphasize them during the Easter season. 
So if you look, uh, so I mean, one way to look at confirm, or the coming of the Holy Spirit would be the version in Acts of the Apostles. But there's another one in John chapter 20, when Jesus appears in the upper room and he breathes on them and says, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That would be like another Pentecost. So that happens on Easter and you're bookending it at the end of the Easter season. So you want to do the conferral of the Holy Spirit. Prefer You can do it any time of the year that you want, but you can, it's preferred or optimal when it happens during the Easter season. So it's, it's a connection mm. with what happened on Easter Sunday and what happens on Pentecost. There's one other piece that a lot of times people don't realize that there's actually almost like three Pentecosts in Scripture. So we they know the one in the Acts of the Apostles, and they know John 20. But in John 19, Jesus is on the cross. And he said, before at the Last Supper, I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to be with you always. And then when he's on the cross, the way that John concludes the narrative is that Jesus breathed his last. So as he's dying, he's exhaling and putting his breath on us and giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit from the cross so that it's absolutely in, un, uninterrupted, the gift of the Holy Spirit from his life to the coming of the Holy Spirit. That is pretty genius. I have to admit that I have never heard that one before. Uh, it ha had never made that connection between Jesus breathing his last. And of course, it makes total sense to me to go all the way back to the creation story, for instance, when God breathes mm -hmm. into Adam, breathes life into Adam, and you see that happening. And and certainly I've made the connection with uh, the Pentecost account in John's gospel in chapter 20. But Jesus from the cross, I'm going to have to chew on that one a bit, Father. Thank you for that. So speaking of the Holy You're Spirit, welcome. now the Holy the Holy Spirit is given to us in Pentecost, yeah, and so well, it's given to us in many, many ways in baptism, but um, but given to the church at this time of Pentecost, but Boiling it down to the ordinary, everyday practicing Catholic, what role does the Holy Spirit have in our lives? What is the Holy Spirit's duty or role in the life of the follower of Jesus? Well, I think one of the great things about the Holy Spirit is it's the constant presence of God with us. Uh, for myself, you know, so I spent a lot of time reading and writing. The Holy Spirit is inspiration. The Holy Spirit is wisdom. The Holy Spirit is enlightenment. And so, I mean, when I talk to our school kids, I'm going, would you like to be able to learn? And would you like help from God in your learning? I say, pray to the Holy Spirit. You want to do well on this test? And they're going, absolutely. I say, pray to the Holy Spirit for help because the Holy Spirit will help you in the learning process. I'm talking to a husband and wife and they're faced with a very big decision. And I'm saying, well, we want to know, we would like God to guide us in this decision. I'm going, you pray to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will help you. You have to listen. But you have to pray, and the Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit will lead us to all truth. That's really good, too. So I'm thinking in terms of our liturgical calendar and specifically in and around Pentecost. So we've this is our Easter show. We're, we're celebrating the resurrection of the Lord, and uh, the church and her wisdom has given us 50 days to do just that. Um, and we've spent a lot of time during this these last 40 days getting ready for Easter, uh, getting ready for the, the Paschal Mystery, the Triduum, uh, in and through the season of Lent. I'm wondering if you have suggestions, Father, on how to use the Easter season to get ready for the celebration of Pentecost. How does it sort of round out our celebration? Uh, this, so one of the things that the church says is that the celebration of the resurrection is such a major event that you can't get it celebrated on one day. That's part of the reason that they give us the octave, so we can celebrate it for eight more days. So that's the highest and greatest of the celebration. 
but you have to run it for 40 more days. It's that great that you have to keep celebrating it over all those weeks. But when we're talking about, so like when we're getting ready for Pentecost, the word novena comes from the word nine, the Latin word novum. So if you have the ascension, then it's nine days to Pentecost. And one of the things that Jesus wanted the disciples to do was to go to the upper room and spend time in prayer and spend time in community together and supporting each other. We can always do that when we get ready for these great feasts. Prayer is a great way to do it. Um, community celebration is a great way to do it. At our parish, we like to make sure that the hymns were the best and most joyful and most energetic and most engaging with the. So we'd bring in all the extra music, you know, like we'd bring in extra musical instruments. And if we had different music groups, we would sometimes combine them so that we had more voices. And if you're going to do like a little a parish dinner or something like that, doing the parish dinner, doing some youth events during the Easter season that are particularly joyful. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can amp this up. Also, what we tried to do during the Easter season is have terrific art, you know, like lots of white and gold hangings uh, around the, and so victorious crosses that are around lots of lilies and lots of other things in the art and environment to try and lift people's spirits and bring them joy. Uh, I've heard it said before, too, Father, that uh, the church celebrates four birthdays officially in the liturgical calendar. The birth of Christ, of course, the birth of John the Baptist, the birth of Mary, and then the trick one, the birth of the church at Pentecost or the birthday of the church. Um, Why why is Pentecost considered the birthday of the church? Well, I mean, now we've got the disciples all together. And so Judas Iscariot is gone. Matthias has replaced him. The Blessed Mother is there. And these disciples, honestly, during the time that they had been with Jesus, a lot of times I call them C or C plus disciples. The times that they didn't understand the parables, the times that they fought among each other, you know, the times that who's the greatest, you know, on Holy Thursday night, they, they abandoned him. Now, when the Feast of the Holy Spirit happens and the Holy Spirit descends upon him, they go from being fearful to being bold. They go from being silent to being outspoken. They go from being cautious to being risk takers. They go from being followers to being leaders, from weak to strong, from being very concerned about their life to be willing to lay down their life for Jesus. Now, that kind of galvanism, when their, their faith is galvanized like that, and when they come together like that, And now we're going to go out and preach to make the name of Jesus known and loved. And we're going to do this as a community and united. I mean, when you look at all of the transformation that happened to them in that moment, that is the birth of something brand new and wonderful. It's a gift from God. And tying in with what you said before, Father, I'm well aware that uh, that that is something that is ongoing, correct? I mean, through those who are baptized and those who are confirmed, sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, that it's those same gifts that he was giving. It was the same gift, the Holy Spirit, that he was giving at the time of Pentecost to the apostles and our Blessed Mother that he gives to us today, right? I mean, it's those same. We talk about the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. We associate those a lot with the Sacrament of Confirmation. But those are the same gifts for us today and our role in the mission of the church. Am I right? You're absolutely correct. And it's interesting that you talked about two sacraments. You talked about baptism and confirmation. So we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in baptism. And so when I'm with the confirmation kids or with people in RCIA, they're saying, why do we need to do this again? We've already received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I said, yes, you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, but now you're going to receive an intensified version of the Holy Spirit. 
So if you're going to have an adult faith commitment, that's different than when you were an infant. I mean, so you're going to have to go out and be a witness in the world. You're going to have to defend the faith, all of that. You need more now than you had then. So the Holy Spirit is going to re-infuse you. I talked to them a little bit about like taking their cell phones. Says you've used it during the day. You have to plug it in overnight. We've got to get more energy in there. That's why Jesus went off to pray after a day of ministry. He had to be re-energized as he went on. And I said, now look at if you've got baptism and then you've got confirmation, when I go out and do the sacrament of anointing with someone, it's a calling down of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now to be with them through their illness so that their faith would be strong, so that they're ready to ready to meet the Lord. When somebody receives the gift of um, reconciliation, we the, the words of absolution say, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, may you be pardoned from your sins. This is a different, now we've got the Holy Spirit in coming to contrition for our sins and the forgiveness of our sins, the new energy to move forward. So the gift of the Spirit, as you accurately said, comes in all of the sacraments, but the Holy Spirit gives us a different grace, an extra grace beyond baptism in each of the other ones. It's beautiful stuff, Father, and I feel like we could go on having this great catechetical session for a long, long time. Unfortunately, we've reached the end of our time with you this time, but I'm sure that people will be looking forward to celebrating Pentecost all the more, and just as we are looking forward to the next time you join us here on Practicing Catholic. Before we let you go, Father, would you be willing to give us your blessing, though? I would. So, Almighty God, we ask that you would come down on all of us. We thank you for your son, Jesus, for his life, salvation, and redemption. We also praise you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, your abiding presence with us. We ask that we would be strong in our faith day by day, and we impart God's blessing on everyone in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Michael Van Sloan, as always, great to have you on the program. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. The Synod Assembly will be happening at Pentecost, June 3rd through 5th here this year in 2022. And there are many materials, prayers, and of course, answers to all your questions about the Synod at archspm.org synod. Please continue to pray for the Holy Spirit's intercession in this process. And Father Van Sloan has many faith fundamentals as well. Those articles are available through the Catholic Spirit, and they can be found online at thecatholicspirit.com. The Easter season is a great time to celebrate and grow in faith. Paul and I will be right back with some ideas on how to do it well. Stick around.